Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us your word. And Father, by it, we learn more of you. We learn more of this world. We learn more of the experience, Father, that we have uh, in the life, in the spirit. And Father, we thank you that you have given John something to share with us today. Father, that enhances all that we know and gives us opportunity to be more aware of who you are and what you want to do for us and with us and in us. So, Father, we thank you for this time. Pray you'll bless John, encourage him, make him fluent in what he says, and uh, give our hearts and minds understanding in what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. Well done for braving the uh, monsoon weathers that we've been having. Um, it, the good thing is everyone turns up looking like a drowned rat, so we all look the same, except for those who live in the building who look, you know, you just have to do a walk around the block. Um, but, yeah, just stand outside, yeah, just walk to the co-op, that was enough. So, um, just following Dee's example last week, um, previously, <laughs> on Sundays, um, so a couple of weeks ago I spoke from Ephesians, and um, I was talking about the... Uh, the context was that we are, as the church, um, maybe I'll go back a little bit further. Um, we, we, as the church, are God's people that by his grace, he's saved us. And he's, the Bible says we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, uh, the, or the kingdom of his son. You know, we are, we are saved by God's grace, brought into the family of God. Um, and there is a difference differentiation that God has called us into this new life and this knowing God, knowing Jesus, you know. But we have an enemy who hates everything that God um, loves and we call him, or the Bible calls him the devil, Satan, or originally Lucifer. Um, and he hates everything about what God is doing and he hates us. He hates everyone because he is just consumed by hatred, he's consumed by lies and all these kind of things, particularly focused on the church, because the church are the people who are putting um, or living out all God's heart and God's desires for this world. So we looked in Ephesians, um, and in Ephesians 6 it says, put on, I've actually got slides, I ought to use them, haven't I? There you go. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the devil's a scheming individual. He's looking at ways to disrupt, to destroy, to divide. And there was another D somewhere along there. Um, oh, I wish I could remember it. Um, distract, destroy, distract, distract, destroy, divide. And, I didn't say divide. Oh, divide. I didn't say divide. There's some there. Well done. Um, and so we, we see this schemes of the devil. And in, in uh, Peter writes, he says, Be sober, mind, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So there's this context that we live in. Um, and in Ephesians, he says in chapter 6, you know, to stand. But as my, and you can listen to this again if you want online. Um, my message was, uh, in Ephesians, he teaches us to sit, uh, to find rest in God, know the promises of God. In, in Ephesians, um, the beginning, he talks, it says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have a position that's above all these enemies of ours. Um, and then he talks about walking, and then he talks about standing. And my 
message was, in order to stand in chapter 6, we need to learn to sit in chapter 1. So some of you might remember that, uh, that message. So um, what, where we're going to go now is into chapter 4. It's going to be quite practical because one of the ways in which the enemy will seek to destroy and distract and to divide and to do the other D. Oh, it's really annoying me now. Um, hold on, I've got it here. Disunity. Now, that's a key word. Because my title this morning, if you've seen it, is Guard the Unity. And I'm going to read that scripture in a minute. Disunity, divide, destroy, distract. And if there's another D, then you let me know. Um, so, let's read from chapter 4 of Ephesians. And I'm just going to read different bits. Um, you can go and you can read... Um, Just for sake of time, I'm just going to skip some of it out. Uh, So the first three verses, chapter 4. Oh, I've missed a bit. Hold on. I've I've not got the verse up there, so I'm just going to read it. It says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. And Daniel um, spoke about this last week in this passage. So again, just following on, Daniel was talking about spiritual gifts and it goes on about the apostles, prophets, etc. Um, and then we pick it up here, which is in verse 12. He says, um, to it, these gifts were given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, as those schemes again, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is ahead into Christ, um, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I know there's a lot in there, but the, the three little things that you've got there, you see um, that that there is these gifts and abilities given to the church in order to keep us together and to grow us to become more like Christ. So as individuals, we are to grow in Christ and become more like him. And as a body, we are to reflect as a church. And so one of my favourite verses is, is, by this will all men know you're my disciples, you're my followers. Big, um, I've said it, I've got to run it through it now. By this will all men know you're my disciples because you love one another. In other words, they will see how we treat one another and they will recognise Jesus through being in our midst, being in your homes, being in our groups, being here on a Sunday. They will see Jesus. And they might not think that to be Jesus, but over time they will see, and it says, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So we can see Paul's urging the church is to recognise that essentially the life of the Christian is completely different to the life of a non-Christian. Or when we were unbelievers, we lived a life. When we put our faith in Christ and saved, our life changes. It is different. It is completely different. And we see that 
um, in verse 17. Have I got this? Yeah. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Uh, This was written to Jewish Christians. So when he's talking about Gentiles, he's talking about unbelievers. Um, He's talking about the way of life in our former life. And if you can read it, we're not going to go into it. It says that um, um, in the futility of their minds, they're darkened in their understanding. They're very much into sensuality. They've got hard hearts, etc., etc. But we're not going to look at that this morning. But essentially, there's this... um, movement from one way of life into another. And Paul used this language. He says, you've got to put off the old self and put on the new self. So we see these two lives. And so Paul is encouraging us in this passage, how do we live as a people of God, guarding the unity? Okay, that's my introduction. So are you with me? Okay. So let's just go back looking at these things in uh, verse... Uh, verse uh, verse 14 so that we may no longer be children in other words we need to grow up we need to mature in the faith there are some things when we're first believers that we do um, and it's because of immaturity and at some point you say look come on you've been a Christian for a while now you need to as the Bible uses the illustration you've got to stop drinking milk and start eating proper food you know you need to there are some things that you used to do that you shouldn't really do really but the grace of God covers you but sometimes you just got to grow up you know Um, tossed to and fro by the waves or the storms of life carried about by every wind of doctrine so for the church here there were lots of churches in homes and you would always have these other preachers that would go around talking about God and remember they wouldn't have the New Testament as we've got it so they was, a lot of it was teaching from the Old Testament and you had people come in and bring in bad teaching, wrong teaching, um, stuff like you've got to follow the law to the T and if you don't follow the law, you're not saved and Paul would write against that, say no, it's by grace. You know, you've got to believe in all these things. No, you've got to believe in Jesus, in Christ alone and so you'd have all of these kind of things. Now we don't necessarily have people wandering into our church and just preaching any old nonsense. That's why people like myself, Alan and Daniel, one of our roles is to protect the church and to maintain good quality theology, as we would call it, teaching. So, but in those days, it would be easier. These days, it's the internet. It's probably the main source of bad theology that anyone can have access to. And so there are these doctrines that come along, these teachings that come along, like these winds that just carry people along um, and then suddenly you realise you're planted somewhere. You can imagine, I just imagine um, the Wizard of Oz, you know, we just get caught up in a whirlwind of doctrine and suddenly when you settle, you think, how on earth did I get here believing this rubbish? And you think, well, you got caught up in a big, you know, in this wind of doctrine. Um, by human cunning, there were people, and there are people today who take advantage, very charismatic people, very believable people, that take people captive by their words, by by um, really, essentially, they're not wanting to bring people into knowing Jesus. They're wanting to find followers because of their own ego and their own, their own personality and um, for their own power and things like this. Humility is a great, is a powerful, is if, and this was something at MLG that really took me about this guy called Jay Fallon. If he was at MLG, he was one of the speakers. It was his humility. And when you know what this guy has done and where he's come in God and what he's, what he's done for the kingdom, what he's done for people's lives, you would never know. He was such a humble guy and, I, and, I, and it just spoke volumes. 
Anyways, and then we get this by craftiness of deceitful schemes, these schemes. And in 2 Corinthians, he says that we, talk about something else, you can look at the context, but it's these words, that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. We're not ignorant of his schemes. And that's the question, are we? You know, are we ignorant of his schemes? And so what I want to speak into this morning is what Paul just then starts to talk about, that if we followed that, the devil wouldn't be able to get an inroad. So rather than focusing what the devil does, let's focus on what God calls us to be, and then the enemy won't be able to get a foot in. So, um, here we go. Right, guard the unity. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, bear with one another in love. See, the enemy loves to stir up people against one another. And um, let's face it, we all probably know someone that we bear with. And if you don't, you're probably the one that people bear with. <laughs> but we all know someone that we just have to give a lot of patience for. We have to... We have to listen longer. We have to repeat stuff. And, you know, we advise people or, I don't know, um, we, people, um, we, just, we just know that we're just going to invest loving them. Um, and as we heard already, nobody's perfect. And I know, probably there's some here, that when I said that, my name came up in your mind. Let's just face it. <laughs> Isn't that right, Naomi? Yeah. Um, but the enemy, you know, the enemy loves to stir up. He loves to sow discord. He loves to get in there. And in this verse, he's simply saying, look, let's love one another, bear with one another. That basically means, look, don't put people on such a high, you know, expectation. People will fail you because we are, we're not perfect. And even if we may say something one day and we may really mean it, we may not have the, the same situation that enabled us to be strong on that day, the next day. And we never know what's going on in people's lives that when you meet them through the door and you think, oh, they kind of ignored me or you know, they gave me a little bit of a hard shoulder. You don't, we don't know what's going on in people's lives, do we? And we know so much of the grace of God for our lives, what Paul's saying, listen, in, in so much so that God bears with us. Shouldn't we also bear with one another? And, <clears throat> and as this church community, one of the things that binds us together is this ability to not just to bear with someone in the sense of, um, you know, we just, you know we, just, we just deal with it and then we'll wait until maybe they feel a bit better. But actually it says, it goes further. He says, look, even if there's someone who is sinning, and this is in uh, Galatians 6, says, brothers, or brethren, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any sin, you who are spiritual, and that just basically means mature, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfil the, the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So we're not only to just bear with people in the sense of, you know, um, not, act, uh, not actively involving ourselves in their situation. But this actually means, why don't you get involved? Why don't you come alongside someone? Why don't you help carry their burdens? That requires us not, 
You, if you have that attitude, you can't just go away going, oh, they're just driving me up the wall. I just don't want to see them. I don't want anything to do with them. You know, bear with one another in love, in humility and gentleness, because it could be you the next week that needs bearing with. So sometimes it's not just sin. Sometimes it's a, um, a difference of opinion. Um, you know, I don't know if it would surprise you that um, Alan, myself, and Daniel as, as elders, um, we, we at times don't agree. Um, and there's no expectation that we have to be, have people that always agree. In fact, it's better that we don't. Um, but we work hard for, to find an agreement. And sometimes Alan has to bear with me. Vice versa. You're very kind. Um, but that's part of it. It's about gentleness, patience. It's about find, um, understanding what the bigger picture is, you know? So bear with one another. That's the first point. The second point says this in um, uh, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbour. For we are members of one another. And when he says members of one another, we are a body. And how can we exist together if there is people that are not being being true or speaking the truth? And again, this is speaking the truth. It says elsewhere, I think this is 4.25, um, just to balance it out. Put away falsehood, let each one, not 4.20, 4.15. Um, um, speaking the truth in love, um, which is a very important addition now. It's not just saying your truth, it's saying it in a way where the other will receive it with grace, encouragement, love, and the building up, Okay. So let's just make sure we understand that context. But the devil is a father of lies and lying should not be found in the church. Falsehood should not be found in the church. It is of the devil. That's basically how you can interpret. If you, you can look where Jesus had this conversation. He says, you're of your father, the devil, who is a liar from the beginning. He's talking to religious folk. And so let's call it what it is. And, it's, and sometimes we, um, I mean, I've heard it from people in this church who have told me how they basically lied. And it's sin. And I know you can call it white lie or whatever like that, but it is sin. And if you sin, you rob yourself from the blessing of God, don't we? So, but in this sense of like, how can we exist together? How, because truth binds us together, you know? And that's like any relationship, the, the, the clo- you, you bind yourself closer together because you always know that it's truth that you're operating in. And as soon as there's doubt or there's, um, there's these lies that come in and you, don't, you lose your trust, how can you exist together? Now, I'm not saying that you should bear everything. Someone says to you, as Anna said this morning, how are you this morning? So, well, I've got to speak the truth, Alan. And it's like, okay, but some, there are some situations where it's not appropriate to share your truth. But maybe in a one-to-one, if you know, and there is an opportunity there. Be honest. And in the context of love, we should be able to encourage one another. So we need to make sure that our relationships are healthy, they're clear, not left to assumptions and misunderstandings, because lies are not just told, they're also believed. And you and I need to discern what we hear. Is it the truth? Um, and I've known that in situations where things have been said and you, and you hear it from someone completely different part of the country and you hear what they say, they say, I would never believe that about that person. 
And I'm like, yes. I'm not saying they've got their head in the clouds. I mean, that what they're saying is, no, I'm going to listen out for the truth. I won't get caught up with all this talk and all this gossip. I mean, I trade in truth. That's what we want to trade in. And sometimes I have to check myself because I can hear a bit of a conversation. I can interpret it to something completely different. And I start to believe a lie. And so I have to be very careful and I have to, you know, when you hear things, when you're walking through this hall and you overhear something, you think, oh, that sounded like this. It could be completely different. So we have to be wise, don't we? We have to make sure we've got the truth and we're telling the truth, we're believing the truth. Um, so here we've got next one. Don't let anger fester. Ephesians 4, 26. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So clearly, the devil will look for opportunity when we're rolled up in our emotions, particularly angry. That's why when you do, if you do the marriage course, I think it's in the marriage course, they say, don't discuss things after 10 o'clock or whatever it is, something like that, isn't it? Something. Don't have discussions because if you get rolled up with your partner and you're having a row and you go to bed angry, it's not good. You know, park it, we'll discuss that the next day. You know, let's try to be unemotional and get caught up. But it's okay to be angry. You know, be angry, but don't sin. You know, anger can, there's things we should be angry about in this world, shouldn't we? And it's one thing just to be angry, but it's, you know, there's things to do about it. But it's not that we shouldn't be angry, but it's to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the do not sin bit is, don't let your anger, which we'll see a bit later, fester and turn into other things. Bitterness, malice, slander. All these kinds of things, we'll see this a bit later. So there's right anger. And, um, and I think we know what that is. Sometimes I've heard people talk about righteous anger and think, no, you're just angry, you know. But don't give an opportunity to the devil. He is a prowling lion looking for inroads. And when you get caught up in anger and that moves into, well, let's read this next passage because this is what really helps. Sorry if it's a bit small. I oh, know it's okay, isn't it? You've heard, this is Jesus speaking, you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fall will be liable to the hell of fire. <clears throat> so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is taking anger pretty, you know, um, seriously, thank you. <laughs> but here is, if, if you know, this is the interesting thing with this passage, if you know someone has something against you, you have to be active and go and speak to them. Oh, who loves confrontation, eh? Anyone? <laughs> Sorry, I just found that really funny, Drew. Um, but if, if it's the responsibility of the person that hears that someone may have something against them, how much more is it your responsibility if you know you've upset someone? So let's not just say, well, ask me out. I can go around upsetting all sorts of people and making people angry. Um, you know, it's their responsibility to come to me. No, that doesn't mean that. It's one of those laws that's like, oh, it's encapsulating all these other ones that don't need to be said. 
Now, in other words, the responsibility here is don't let that anger fester and grow into something else. You know, deal with it. And often, I mean, I, I tell you, recent situations, I upset someone recently. And, um, and I didn't mean to, but nevertheless, I did. And they messaged me, and they, in a lovely message, but um, said, you know, blah, 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 you've upset me. Didn't use those words, but... And I messaged back, and I said, I'm so sorry. You know, and I was like, this is what I intended, you know, you know I've learned from that, and I'm really sorry. And they sent me a message back saying, you know, a really lovely message, full of grace, and that was it, dealt with. So I know that when I see that person, I can look them in the face and know that's dealt with. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? I mean, it was such a blessing the way that they first communicated to me. You don't have to go up to someone and say, you've upset me. And I'm really angry with you. You know, there's grace, isn't there? It's again, if, um, it's about restoring relationship. So there's a responsibility. So um, after the meeting, please just queue up when you come and see me. Uh, <laughs> Please take a number. Um, <laughs> but it's worth it, isn't it? You know, relationships are really something we should prize. And sometimes, and I, I know this to be of a fact, that you can have people that think there's a problem between, and there isn't. It's just like misunderstandings and all sorts. And it just requires someone to go up to someone and just in gentleness and in love and say, I think there might be a problem here between us. Can I share it with you? You know, will you forgive me if I'm wrong? You know? Um, so, don't let anger fester. And deal, deal with things quickly. I should have said this in, in, in um, something that someone said to us, to Jana and I, which really encouraged me. And it kind of... Um, but they were surprised. Jana and I, at Rora, last year, we were just having a little argument. Like, it wasn't anything. It was probably about where to put the tent pegs or something. I don't know. It's nothing. But, um, but we, and, and we, there was someone there they, who remained nameless who observed this. And then after it was like, once we'd finished, it was like, okay, you know, oh, do you want a cup of tea? But, you know, we just moved on. We just moved on. It doesn't always happen that way, by the way, but we just moved on. <laughs> Um, and they said this, they said, you know what? I've never seen that. Because in their understanding, often what they've seen and what they've experienced is that there's this period of almost like, right, I'm not going to talk, we're not going to talk to each other for, you know, three days at least. You've upset me. And it's like, and, I, and with these emotions, things like, that's why I don't let these things go beyond the evening. Every day's a new day. If, you, if you've got children, especially older teenage kids, you have to do that. Every day is a new day, because if, I mean, my kids are amazing, don't get me wrong. Um, but every day is a new day. It doesn't matter what happened the night before. Every day has got to be a new day, isn't it? So anyway, that's just a bit of my life there. Um, help others practically. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour doing honest work with his own hands. This is verse 28 so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. And I thought this was interesting in this little passage because a lot of this is really about how we deal with one another. But in this passage, it was really, it's like, well, it's pretty obvious. Don't be a thief. Um, so how can I sort of share this with us? It's like, look, guys, stop robbing at the co-op, please. You know, um, you know or, you know, put down your, your, your drug business and start getting a normal... I couldn't really work out what the context would be. But I think it's this, you know, um, 
Part of where the enemy can come in, I think, is when people feel as though they're not cared for practically. And we have a responsibility to be mindful and to have, and to have something to share. Now, of course, the days nowadays, and back then when, when this was written, probably a major source of income was illegal. And so, and again, this is a new life, and Paul is saying to them, look, stop thieving, find some honest work so that you can give. But not so that you can be right and not be a thief, but so that you can give, so you can participate in other people's lives where there's practical need. And in doing so, that was certainly hit on resentment, which can come in. Or people feeling like you've, you're sitting, you know, you've got the rich, rich person sitting there and then the person who has nothing. You know, how can we participate in that? That's the question. So in the family of God, there's a responsibility to take care of others in the family of God. Um, so let's, and, and getting, for me to say, just go and get a job is, is not as easy as, as, one, as one says it. We realise that. But. So, words have power. This is verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, who hear. Again, one of the ways the enemy seeks to divide is to stir up things between one another. And what can uh, happen is, is that you can find yourself in a, like an echo chamber. Anyone know what an echo chamber is? It's, um, it's basically it's an environment where someone encounters information or opinions that basically they agree with and reinforce their own. You find yourself those people and you just move around that information and also your little bubble and basically that you, if you find someone you, and you can find someone that has the same problem as you and you talk about it and you find someone else in your end, in your end you've just got this echo chamber of just this same nonsense that's going round and round and it's not true. So we need to be careful that we don't just find people. That's why I think it's really important that as elders we need to be people that are different and have different passions. And we find that in that, oft, at times, we don't disagree all the time, I don't want to put across the wrong <laughs> But you know, when we're, when we're discussing, having that difference and find people that will be able to challenge our opinions, our thoughts and things like that. So we need to be careful that we're not just becoming mouthpiece and we're talking and corrupting talk. Yeah, that could be bad language, but it could also, if I think the, the bigger picture is what you say, does it benefit the, the individual? Does it build them up? Does it encourage them? Does it cause them to find God more? Does it, does it um, guard the unity? Does it encourage relationships? Does it encourage people to overcome differences? That's what it means. So if what you're saying is forever about this person, that, oh, you know, oh, this, that and the other, and you find your agreement, I don't like this, I don't like that, it's an echo chamber. Let no corrupting talk come out of your... Um, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So you, we've got to be careful how we speak, and the enemy is there just waiting just to sort of say, yeah, and what about that? Mm. What about Alan Maxwell? Yeah, do you know? <laughs> Follow this or listen to the Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We have this benefit, don't we? So 
what we, many of us will know, when we are saved, we are not just left as we were. God comes and lives within us as, as a, an individual would live in a house. And when the Spirit comes within us, He brings His witness with us. We get to, under, you know, get the sense of the leading of the Spirit. We get to hear God because He's dwelling within us. And so we have this benefit. And um, often these things where division happens is because somewhere along the line, someone or someone's, different people, have stopped listening to the Spirit. They, and the Spirit, when the Spirit is grieved, often you will feel a grieving. You will feel an emotional sense to that. But if we're so riled up and divisive and all these kind of things, we cannot hear, listen in our listening to the Spirit. So we need to follow the Spirit, listen to the Spirit. Um, pray, pray for one another. That's how you put yourself into a spiritual situation. If you're going through a challenge, difficulty, not just in the church, at any time, we pray and let the Spirit lead us, guide us, change us. Because probably most of the time the problem's us, isn't it? Sometimes, most of the time. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Put off sinful desires. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And so bitterness, you know, resentment, wrath, which is a violent emotion, anger is that feeling that we all have at times. Clamour, which is just a, almost like an aggressive shouting, slander, speaking lies about people. You know, um, malice, the desire to harm someone. We need to put that away. Pull off the old man. He's going back to that passage. That is not part of our identity as Christians anymore. So when we feel that creeping desire, we have the power to put it off, to resist it, to say no to it. And so we understand if we may feel something, and that's not sin, we can't help how we feel, but what we choose to do with that sin is what this verse refers to. You've got to let it all go. You've got to put it off. Uh, be kind. Um, it, was, it was in the Bible a long time, time before celebrities started saying, let's be kind to one another, as if it was some new idea. Um, be kind to one another, verse 32. Tender-hearted. Give people a break. Maybe just think positively before you think negatively. Maybe they've had some bad news on that moment when you saw them or that time, or maybe actually you don't know if you, until you walk a mile in their shoes, whatever that saying is. Um, bear with one another, as we've already said. Love, well, what can love look like? Maybe give some people some space. That might be the appropriate response. Be kind, don't be so hard on people. You never know what's formed that individual from their childhood upwards. You know, have grace. These are all things. This isn't rocket science, is it? Um, putting it into practice at times is very challenging. But we have, if this is what the teaching is from God, we have the grace by the power of the Holy Spirit to put it into, into practice. You know, people, people um, form habits through their upbringing, don't they? It takes a long time to change a habit. Forgive one another. Um, I guarantee you, so it says forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I guarantee you someone will upset you. Is that right? <laughs> and that might be me at times as well. Um, 
and someone will make a mistake and they'll do you wrong. But Jesus is our pattern, is it? As Christ forgave us, so we forgive others. And forgiveness is a big subject and it, forgiveness does not mean that we, we make okay what has been done to us. It's putting the responsibility of that onto the law to deal with and us being free from the burden to deal with that situation. It doesn't take away wisdom. doesn't mean that we go running back into toxic relationships. It doesn't do any of that, but it releases us of the burden to say, you're not my responsibility. I'm letting you go. I'm not going to hold anything against you. I'm giving it all to the Lord. I've got nothing left to hold on to. And that takes time, that takes a process, but essentially it's not justifying what's happened. So again, it's a big, it's a big subject, but we, um, yeah, I, I, I've told this before, not for a long time, but um, I, um, I had a, a, an issue with one of a former elder, who will remain nameless, so it's not one that's now, so you were known. And I, and I got together with this lovely guy, I love him dearly, and I said, um, I, do you know what, I think we need to pray for one another. And so we started meeting, I think it was once a week, and then we do it once a week, and we just sat and we just prayed for one another. And I tell you what, we had no issues from that point. To this day, even when they moved on, there was not an issue. Because something in us, when you start praying for someone, you can't do that without loving them. And, um, and as I say, to this, that, that is my testimony, where if that ever happened again, that would be my go-to thing. Not trying to find agreement. We didn't try to talk about, who, you know, what's the best way of overcoming our issues, you know, what's, tell me your opinion. None of that. We just said, I'm going to pray for you and your family, and you pray for me and my family. And then after a while, we didn't need to do it. And it's, it's amazing. And so... You know, forgiveness, and not that we, we had a big, massive thing, but it was impacting our relationship. And then church, it could impact the church, the eldership. But, so that's, that was just a wonderful testimony there, really. Finally, imitate Christ, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So in similar, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So if you feel that Jesus would do what you're doing as it relates to the, your relationships, then that's quite a good pitch, isn't it? So is Jesus going to be bad-mouthing people? Is Jesus going to be gossiping people under the guise of sharing prayer requests? Would Jesus do that? Let that be our guide. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of Christ. So... I'm going to finish here. So let's just recap. I say it's, it's practical one this morning. Um, but the enemy wants to destroy us. We all understand that, don't we? And, it's, and I'm not saying that we should therefore get all into like looking for demons under bushes and things. But if we were just to love one another like this, just like you go home and you read that passage for yourself. I don't think I've gone into anything that's kind of weird and strange, very practical. If we were to live that, we wouldn't have a chance. would not have a chance. Yeah? We don't need to think about him. We need to follow Christ. And he will not be able to get in. But maybe I can just lay this out before you. 
um, reflect. Are you, does it help you to become aware of how the enemy seeks to divide us? The little things that you think, the little echo chambers, or the, the problems that we've got between one another that are unresolved. Um, maybe our action is to go and sort that out. But other than that, what this is, let's build this culture in our church. Not that it's not already there, but strengthen it. But as, as the Lord regrows us as he is, the people are going to come into this same mindset. Amen? So um, I'm going to pray, and then I'll, I'll pass on to you, Alan. Yeah. Father, all these things are great in theory. They're all wonderful to listen to, I'm sure, Lord. But we recognise that without your grace and without the power of your Holy Spirit, these things are incredibly difficult, if not impossible. Lord, I just want to pray that you fill us with your grace. Fill us again with your Spirit. Lord, that we can have the boldness when it's needed, the humility, the repentance. Lord, just the care and the and the strength and patience and long-suffering to bear with one another. But Lord, we thank you that we can get that from you. Lord, and it's in your heart that we will have everything that we need in order to guard the unity of your church here. Lord, to care for one another, to watch over one another, to support one another. Lord, to be, um, to be a reflection of you. Lord, so will you help us? Lord, we just ask you for that um, blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.